this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Oh, this little light of mine Well, I'm gonna let it shine Oh, this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine Let it shine I let it shine <laughs> Let it shine. Good job. All right. I want to um, speak this morning. I'm going to divert a little bit from what we've been speaking. The last few weeks we've been speaking about heaven and all of the glories of heaven and how we need to be preparing ourselves uh, for there as well as enjoying the presence of heaven here while we're here. But I want to speak today on Sabbath rest and sabbatical. It's a little different. Um, but this is an important topic for us to talk about today. Last week, Wednesday, as I already mentioned, we had our annual business meeting, and I want to share some of what we talked about this morning. So the best way to start that this morning is just for me to read the pastor's report that I put together for that, as we always have the pastor's report as to the years past and kind of where we're going. So let me just, um, let me just read that to you this morning, and then we'll discuss. Let's pray first of all. Father, I just pray that you just be with us today. I pray, Lord, that you will just be with this message and, Lord, that you would be uh, blessed by it and that you would, uh, your truth would, re, would, would resound and that we would be able to receive what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord continues to be faithful and to bless those that are faithful to him. Our church can testify to both his faithfulness and his blessings toward us. I am thankful for the opportunity that I have had to be the pastor of such a small yet solid group of people that love the Lord and are committed to his purposes. This year has been a very productive year in the life of our church. We have accomplished some very good and appropriate facility improvement upgrades, such as our new flooring in the foyer and in the hallways. We raised funds and in installed an 18-hole disc golf course on our grounds along with a donated fire pit from Ready Rock, all for the use of our church and the community at large. We sponsored the first Apple Jam concert during the Apple Fest weekend and are continuing to develop a very solid connection with the Promise FM radio station that will help us continue to move this event and others like this forward. And most importantly, we are experiencing a real move of the Holy Spirit in our weekly church services that is producing a deepening spiritual growth in the lives of the believers in our body. Moving forward to the year to come, with all of this going on in the church body, along with the two weddings of our daughters and the trustee responsibilities that I have in our family trust, it's been suggested that I take a sabbatical rest. After nine years of ministry here at Center Point, it is recommended and supported from our district leadership that I take a three-month sabbatical over the summer period. Sabbatical periods are highly recommended and are biblically based as a time to spend time resting and allowing the Holy Spirit to rejuvenate a tired soul. 
It can be deducted or deduced from Scripture that a rest period such as this should be taken every six to seven years in light of God's command of Sabbath rest. Hence, I have presented this to the deacon board and the Christian life board, and they have agreed to honor this sabbatical period. The ministry here at the church will continue on without an issue. We have high-quality pastors within our district staff and others that will be filling the pulpit over the summer that will provide excellent teaching and preaching. Our normal summer schedule will be in place, and our Wednesday night prayer and Bible study will continue. The theme of this sabbatical period that the Lord has placed in my heart is gearing for growth. I believe the Lord will use this time for Chris and me and for the church to give us all a rest and a revitalized vision for what the Lord has in store for us. My prayer and request is that each church member and regular attender will take this time to commit to prayer and fasting, seeking what the Lord desires to do in their life and what their role is at center point as we move into the future. The harvest is ripe and the time is short. Let's purpose together to accomplish all that God has for us to do and to enjoy his presence in the process. So I read that this morning as the basis for the rest of the message time to discuss Sabbath rest and sabbatical. It's important that we understand God's word when it comes to Sabbath, what it means to come to God's appointed times of rest for all of us in this church. The Sabbath rest period, whether it is a weekly basis or on a yearly basis, is given to us in the Bible. Turn with me or... uh, You can look on the screen to Exodus chapter 35, verses 1 and 2. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. God is speaking to the Israelites in this particular passage, and he's given them a direct command to work six days and then rest the seventh. Does this sound familiar? Have you ever heard this before? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, you see the model that God is setting up for work and rest. Let's go back to that, beginning chapter 1, verse 31, and then we're going to read the first three verses of chapter 2. It says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. You know, God did an awful lot in six days. (laughs) Whether you believe it to be six 24-hour period days or a day being a thousand years, I don't really, doesn't make a difference, but God created the heavens and the earth with the spoken word. He did an awful lot, so he might have been exhausted. I mean, God might have been at his wit's end. Do you think he was? I'm not sure, but you can ask him when you see him face to face and you can say, God, were you really tired? Were you really tired after that sixth day? Did it wear you out? Or were you just putting it a model for us to follow in our earthly life? 
But later in the Bible, we read more commands in the same pattern here that God was putting in, in place for us. In Leviticus, we see the God extending the same sabbatical rest, but not just over a day, but over, over a year, over a year basis. Let's, let's turn in your Bible to Leviticus chapter 25, the first seven verses. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vine. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and the temporary resident who live among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. So here the Lord is giving the Israelites a very um, strict command to work the fields for six years. Work hard. But then the seventh year, let it rest. Don't tend it. Don't prune it. Um, but you know what? Whatever it does yield, you're free to eat it. In other words, God's saying, I will provide for you in that Sabbath rest, but I'm not expecting you to work for it. In fact, I don't want you to work for it. I want you just to receive what I'm going to give to you in that Sabbath rest. Boy, there's a promise there. There's a principle there that we need to take hold of right now in our lives that, yes, we are to work hard, in the six days, but when it comes that Sabbath day, trust the Lord to take care of your needs. Amen. Put an exclamation point on that one. But again, let's go back to earlier in Exodus when God first gave the Israelites this command because this is not the first time he gave them the command. We have to turn back to Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. God said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Now, this is in regards to when God was giving them manna. And he was saying, I'm going to provide manna for you six days a week. You go out and take up that day's worth of manna, whatever it is for that day. But don't save any for tomorrow, because if you do, it's not going to be good. So on six days, they were only allowed to take up the amount they needed for that day. Now, some didn't trust it. Some went ahead and gathered more than they needed for, that, sab or for that, that particular day's food. And by morning, it had turned to maggots. And it was stinky. And it was embarrassing that they had this maggot-full of bowl of, of manna because they didn't trust the Lord. But here's the interesting thing. He said on the sixth night or the night before the Sabbath, he said, take extra. Take enough for tomorrow, and it will be good for you tomorrow, but you don't have to go out. So don't go out in the morning to pick manna off the ground because it won't be there, all right? So that happened. So they took extra for that night, and in the morning, that same bowl of manna was good. It did not have maggots in it because it was a Sabbath bowl, right? But here's the thing. Early on, when this first happened, <laughs> there were still people that went out on Sabbath morning to pick the manna because they didn't pick enough the day before. They got out there and found out there wasn't provision for them, and they went hungry that day because they didn't listen to the Lord, right? So they are a dull people. 
And sometimes we're a dull persons as well because we don't always listen to the Lord. But here's an interesting thing that I find about this is that the timing of God's command is so cool here because this is early on in their freedom from Egypt. This is within days or maybe a week or so, weeks, not long, because remember, they left Egypt with bounty. They left Egypt with food and stuff. They got out, in the, they got out into, the, into the, the wilderness, and when the food ran out, they thought, oh, now what are we going to do? Well, this is when God brought the manna to them. So this was early in their walk. And this is early also that God gave them a command totally different than they had ever experienced in the 400 years they were in captivity. This people, were, they were captive in Egypt for 400 years and they were under, the, under the, the thumb of a very hard taskmaster in the pharaohs of Egypt. This is when they built the cities and they, they, were, to, they were the brick builders. These, the Israelites were out to make the brick and they were under a very hard taskmaster. The fact that they were to rest was something they had never heard before. They were never told by Pharaoh, guys, take a rest today. You guys deserve a break. No. Pharaoh was a hard taskmaster, and he would push them harder and harder, and he was all out for production, work for work's sake. They had never heard the concept of what? You want me to rest today? So here God is commanding them. They're still being commanded by a taskmaster, God is a taskmaster. God is a commander. He gave them commands, but the difference between Pharaoh's commands and God's commands were that Pharaoh's commands were to benefit Pharaoh at the demise of the people, where God's commands were to be to the benefit of the people. Work hard six days, but now I'm going to command you to take a rest. That's good. I really like that. They were being commanded for their good versus their demise. In an article I read in Christian Week magazine, dated June 17, 2015, author Steve Suka says this in his article that he titled, The Lost of Rest, or I'm sorry, The Lost Art of Rest, Why We All Need a Sabbatical. Let me read a little bit from what he said. In a culture obsessed with productivity and enamored with work ethic, what has become of the sabbatical? Taking an extended leave to deliberately cease work-related activities is more often seen as a quaint notion, almost outdated for another time and another place. Yet, when a weekly day of rest was handed down from God through Moses to the Israelites of what we just talked about, their feet were still soggy from crossing the bottom of the Dead Sea. The mandated Sabbath was a shocking commandment in comparison to the orders of their slave drivers. Pharaoh, the self-styled god of Egypt, ruled over a culture obsessed with production, work for work's sake, in sharp contrast to Israel's god, who now demanded a cessation of work every seven days. Modern Christians are faced with a similar shock when it comes to the Sabbath time and the sabbatical. Our culture is closer to Egypt than we'd like to think, says Mark Buchanan, author of The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring the Sabbath. That's a book he wrote. He says, Our work culture is defined by productivity and accomplishment. While North American culture isn't obsessed with building pyramids, the comparison remains. We don't have a glowering taskmasters, Buchanan says, but we have a system that says produce or be labeled as lazy. 
Now let me stop here for a minute. This is not the only area in which God measures things differently than men. We have a differing measuring system than the way God measures things. Men measure success by how much we see. Men measure success by how, what, how much is physically produced or how much money we have in the bank or how many names are on our membership roll or how many people attend, attend our weekly services on Sunday or how big our house is or how many cars I have in a driveway or how, or how many toys I have to play with on a weekend and etc. Man measures things the way we see things. However, God measures things by looking in the heart, not by looking in the physical outside things. God measures things like, how much love do you have for your neighbor? And, by the way, how much love do you have for your enemy? Different measure. How many times have you served someone at the expense or cost of yourself? How much time have you spent in prayer where you are intentionally talking to me? This is God speaking. Intentionally talking to me, asking me for my ideas rather than trying to bless your ideas. (laughs) How easy is it for you to give financially or of your time to the church? Is it a struggle to love and obey me in the word of God in your daily lives? Are you laying up treasures in heaven or are you striving for the things of this world? See, God measures things so different than we measure things. God measures things by things that are unseen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we fix, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That gives me great hope. Doesn't it you? that I can fix my eyes on some things that I can't measure, but I know God is, and God is faithful. He's faithful to his promises. Let me go back to the article that I, start, I referenced a few minutes ago. The sabbatical becomes almost an act of defiance and subversion and takes a tremendous amount of courage, Buchanan says. It has to do with how we define ourselves. Our culture places value on producers. We believe we are what we do, but God says we are his beloved children. Like the baptism of Jesus, Buchanan Buchanan says, God affirmed his favor and blessing on Jesus and on his identity before Jesus began his ministry. Before Jesus did anything, God was pleased. Christians need to rediscover the art of rest through Sabbath time, moving from a position of producing to a position of receiving. What a change from the pressure of competing in this world to a position of receiving from a God that wants to bless and he loves us. I love the observation that's being made here, how God publicly declared who Jesus was and his pleasure in him before Jesus did one thing that was measurable by man. Jesus was just coming into his ministry. He hadn't done anything yet. Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark says this. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He says, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And just as Jesus, Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being, turned, uh, being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You know, sometimes we all need to hear that. Sometimes we just need to hear God say, I, you are my child, and I am well pleased that you, have cho that you have chosen me, that you have chosen to accept my son as your Savior, and then you've made him your Lord. Ah, that brings me great pleasure. The fact that we would choose God over the bounties of this world, the fact that we would choose him over anything else makes us, turns us, converts us from an enemy to a child, from an opponent to a proponent of God's grace and his mercy. And it's not in what we're doing at this point in time in our life, it's not in what we're doing, it's just because we've chosen him. And we've, we've, he's chosen us and we've, we've, we've chosen to receive his mercies and his grace. Because of our faith and trust in Jesus, we're his child and he loves us and he's pleased. And it's not that being productive isn't important here. I'm not saying, and God's word is not saying that we're to be lazy. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not promoting laziness when he, when he talks about a Sabbath. Because we are to work hard the six days. We're to be productive. One of the reasons I believe that God was pleased with Jesus is because he saw Jesus' heart of service. And he knew that Jesus was going to be a hard worker because Jesus had much to do in the life of his three-year ministry. It was going to be hard work. And God looked down on him and he saw his heart of brokenness and his heart of, of surrender and submission. And he was pleased because he saw that Jesus was going to be faithful and be obedient to do what he was tasked to do. Likewise for us. We have work to do. A hard work to do. Let's not kid ourselves. But yet God is pleased when he, hear, when he sees a broken, contrite, submissive heart that says, Lord, I will do what you ask me to do. I will go there. I will do as you ask. That pleases him. That pleases him. All he's saying, guys, is that there must be a rest period. There must be a rest period for all of us. Wanda Malcolm, professor of pastoral psychology at Wycliffe College in Toronto, explains that anyone can become deliberate with time set apart for ceasing work. She goes on to say, not everyone has the luxury of a sabbatical, Malcolm says, but our leaders ought to be really intentional about Sabbath time within our day, within our week or season, and where work permits. Whether it's an hour in the morning, half a day once a week, set aside for ceasing our work and looking to receive from God. She says, I tell my students they need to be a living sacrifice, not a burnt offering. <laughs> We're to be a living sacrifice, not to be a burnt offering. Man, we can burn ourselves out being a sacrifice for God, can't we? And that's not what he's saying. He, would, he says, I want obedience versus, uh, versus um, sacrifice. Let me quote from what the Assemblies of God says on their viewpoint of sabbaticals. Sabbaticals provide an extended period of spiritual rest, study, and renewal for ministers who give so much of themselves week in and week out, year after year. 
A sabbatical is an extended time away from the normal routine of ministry in daily life. A sabbatical is a separate time away from the minister's ministry assignment and not considered as the minister's vacation time. A sabbatical should be viewed as a time of hearing, restoration, and renewal in body, mind, spirit, and vision. So with all this said, this is the plan that I've laid out to our deacon board and our spiritual life board, and they, uh, and as well, and I presented it at our annual business meeting last Wednesday night. And as a result, Chris and I are requesting a sabbatical period over the summer months. So let me just personalize this just a little bit. Um, I've been pastor here for, well, I'm going to my ninth year. I started pastoring in the summer of 2009. And, uh, and we all know we've been through a little bit, and we've had um, a little bit of history here. Chris and I also have two daughters that are getting married this summer, uh, one in June and one in August, uh, Aubrey and Jenna. And uh, we are, my family are, is also in process of, is, of completing the sale and enclosure of my family, of our family's trust. And, uh, and I'm the trustee that, that, in, that is uh, in responsible for that. In that nine years, my, I've lost my father and my mother. Well, I haven't lost them. I know exactly where they're at. They're in heaven. I know that. But they're just not here, okay? Um, so this, in all reality, is a perfect time for us to take a little break, um, we're, uh, we're kind of tired, but at the same time, we have a lot of activity this summer. It's going to be a good summer. So Chris and I are planning a three-month sabbatical period beginning early June, and we'll come back in early September. And I've been discussing this with our district leadership, and they are totally supportive of this and are willing to supply pulpit fill and all the support that we need through the summer months. Um, in fact, it's highly recommended um, our district leadership, our uh, district superintendent, uh, they've made it very clear to pastors that, guys, you need to take a break every six or seven years. You need to take some time off. And that time can be anywhere from three months to six months, whatever you can, you know, whatever you can afford and, what, and so forth. But, so it's, it's, uh, this is something that they highly recommend. Uh, and I've already proven it, in fact, that it's biblical that this is something that God is not recommending as well, but he's commanding it. He's commanding that we take time, whether it's a day of a week or if we let the land rest for a year, but his command is very consistent that we are to rest, and we need a Sabbath rest. You need a Sabbath rest, not just me, but you need time to rest as well. So I will be, um, Chris and I will be, throughout the summer we'll be around, but we're going to be pretty busy I will be here if it's an emergency, if there's a funeral or something like that, I'm here. But on day-to-day operations, we have a board that is very capable of doing everything that needs to be done. Ministry will go on as normal without any hiccups. This church will be functioning. And I really believe that as we gear for growth, because I really believe this is what the Lord's speaking in my heart, is that this time period is a gearing for growth. That we're taking this time of you know, consider it a rest in our, in, our, in our field, that we're allowing the field to go fallow for a period of time just to let the nutrients come back into the ground. You know, it's common if you're a farmer, farmers up here, they rotate crops. They won't put corn, will they, Marlo? They won't put corn year after year in the same field. They, they rotate it because different, different crops burn up different nutrients, and they need to have different nutrients put in the field, and so they will rotate crops or they will give the ground a rest. 
It's common. It's God's plan. It's a time where I feel that our church will get back to basics. We've been really busy. We've done a lot of good things in our church. I, like I said earlier in the report, we've, and, you know, we've done the flooring. We've done a lot of physical things. We, we've been involved with lots of activities. And, and I'm just feeling like this is a time of rest for our church as well, that we go back to our basics of prayer and fasting and allowing the Lord to, to restore us as well. You know, we've tried to do a lot of things for a lot of people, and that's good, but we need to rest a little bit too. So I'm proposing that the church as a whole uh, takes this as a time to kind of slow down and focus on the basics of spiritual life. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for our church? Well, we will continue to rally around our Sunday morning services, our Sunday school time, appreciate the Sunday school teachers we have, appreciate Max, who's been faithful in the teaching and for the the, the, the you know, treasure and the other younger ages and our youth that I've had when we've had youth. But, but right now, we're just you know, really going to rally around our, our worship time and our Sunday school time, and then we're also going to focus heavily on our Wednesday night prayer time. I really encourage us all to come into Wednesday nights. We need more than just Sunday mornings. I know for many it's a drive, and I understand that. But um, it's worth it when we come together. We have praise and prayer uh, what we're, the model that we're doing right now is that we're singing, we're praising for about 15, 20 minutes. Jackie and Tom or whoever's here leads some praise and worship. And then we spend some time, we gather together in a circle and we have some time of discussion um, and, and, and prayer time. And um, for those that have been there, let me ask you, how is it? Is it good? Are we being fed? Are we being taught? Are we being challenged with some new things? Absolutely. And I think even more importantly, as we move on into this summer period, because this is, where my, this is my heart's prayer for this church, that when we come back together in August or September, that we're going to be stronger, that we're going to be ready to grow. Now, I know that we have grown spiritually deep. I think there are some here that have grown very, very solid foundational roots, and that's really good. But we also need to grow horizontally. We need to grow out. We need to, get, we need to grow into this community. We need to be able to serve the community maybe better than what we are serving it right now. I don't know what that all looks like yet. We're going to find that out. So I'm praying that on uh, Wednesday nights when we come together that we're going to be seeking God's heart in who's going to do what in our community and our church. Now, in a big church setting, where they have multiple pastors, the senior pastor may take a sabbatical and one of the associate pastors may step up and be the leader and, be, and run the church like the pastor's not even there, right? Well, we don't have that luxury. We don't have an associate pastor. And this is really, I think, good for our church of this size because what's going to happen over the next few months, and we're going to start developing this over the next few weeks, is for people in this congregation that are going to step up and rise to leadership. And the body as a whole will be strengthened because we're going to need other people to step up and do what I do. I will say that um, I do too much. I, I shouldn't be the only one speaking on a Sunday morning. We should, uh, my prayer is this, that we will have leaders that will feel called to open the service on Sunday mornings and to do a welcome and a brief, hey, let's just get into the Lord and worship. Two minutes. Just to kind of set the tone for the day. Jackie does an awesome job, and the team does an awesome job leading in worship, and we get right into the presence of the Lord. 
And then we have this time of ministry where we just have that transition time between worship and offering and so forth. And, and again, I would like somebody else that feels that calling to say, I'll do that. I can do that. And they step in. And male or female, it doesn't make any difference. This is to the ladies as much as to the men. And that we can have someone else that can step into that call to worship, call to prayer time. I would love to see prayer teams developed. That when it comes time for prayer, that those that are having the, 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 the call or the gift of intercessory prayer or healing or whatever prayer gifts that they have, they would um, just rise up, just move over to the sides. They would be there waiting for people to come to pray for them. Let me tell you, I love to pray for people, but I would much rather have the body pray for people. I know there are people gifted here with, with healing in their hands. I know Bonnie and I know others here, Greg and others that have, have a gift of healing, a gift of prayer, and I, would ex- I, want, I, want to, I want to build that up. That needs to be built up in the body. I know I, I look back at, at uh, my pattern of life, and it's, it's easier for me personally it's easier for me just to do something sometimes rather than teach or encourage somebody else to do it. I mean, I go back to even my raising my son Tyler. You know, when he was 10, 12 years old, we had a pretty good-sized yard in Brighton, and it was a like, two-acre yard, and I had a tractor. And uh, it was good therapy, therapy for me to get on the tractor, but, you know, it would have been better for me to put Tyler on the tractor and say, Tyler, this is how you cut the grass, and let him cut it, even if it's not straight lines. <laughs> You know, but rather for me, rather than to work with him, it was just easier for me to say, oh, Tyler, go swim in the pool. I'll cut the grass. And I failed him because I didn't really teach him. And in some ways I failed the church because I really haven't taught people to stand up and be who they are in the church. And I believe this is the time where the Lord's going to do that. I think the Lord is kind of taking us down and he's, he's kind of pressing us and he's kind of maybe even stripping some things away from us. So that when he does grow this church, it's all him. And no man can take credit for it. It may get uncomfortable. You may feel awkward in stepping out of your comfort zone. Because maybe you're being called to do something you haven't done before. Maybe you're going to be called to come up here and take a microphone in your hand and call people to worship. And say, hey guys, it's time to pray. Who wants to to be prayed for? And and it doesn't have to be, it can be who you are. We're not trying to model. It doesn't have to be like we do it all the time here. It's just how God calls you to do it. But as you're obedient in that, and as you start stepping out into that, the Lord will get the glory, and he'll get the credit, because he will build this church the way he wants to build it. I think he finally has our attention. I think he's finally broken us to the point that he says, I can step in now and do what I want to do in this body of believers. And my prayer is that when I come back in September that you guys are so powerful and so strong, you don't even need me. Now, I'm coming back. But I would pray that you wouldn't even need me, that you're so strong and you're so ready to move and and you're so geared for growth that this church is so healthy and so strong that the community will flock to it and say, wow, that is an awesome church. Who are you guys? Where have you been all these years? The Lord wants to gear us for growth. He wants to take us into a new walk, a new level. We've been through a season and the season's over and it's time to move into a season of growth and a season of productivity. 
but we need to have a little bit of rest so that he can do what he wants to do in our midst. Amen? So I'm calling you up. I'm, I'm placing the call into every one of you that call this their church. Whether you're a member or you're an attender, this is your church, whether you live next door or live in Harbor Springs. I love it that you're here. I love that you drive from Harbor Springs and East Jordan and Bel Air and from other places. And, you know, we have, a, we have a group that travels a long ways. But, you know, guys, there is a harvest ripe in our neighborhoods around us. By all rights, this church should be packed out every Sunday. We have great worship. We preach the Bible. We pray. We intercede. We allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. This church should be packed out. Not because we want big numbers, but because God is worthy of it. Because he is glorious and because it's his church. And we just need to be the willing vessels to do the work. Amen? Here's my prayer that I pray for myself on a daily basis. And this is what I pray for this church. It's in Colossians chapter 1. This is my life's calling. This is what the Lord has placed on me for who I am. Paul is praying for a few believers in Colossians, some of the early, some of his, his um, spiritual sons. And he says this, and he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, that you would be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy, with joy, with joy, giving thanks to the Lord who qualifies us to share in inheritance of the saints of light. That's heaven. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom I have redemption, the forgiveness of my sins. Guys, our prayer is that we would be so full of Jesus, that we would be, that we would be continually filled with the knowledge of his will, his will, so that we can walk in a manner worthy of him, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and we continue to increase in the knowledge of God. That's what I pray for this church. That's what I pray for me. Because I need that and you need that. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this teaching. I thank you for your commands. I thank you for your time that you look to us and you say, I love you so much. I want to do something good for you. I want to give you some rest. And Lord, I thank you for that assurance that even in that rest period that you're going to provide for us. You're going to provide the crops that were not tended. You're going to provide fruit that comes up from that barren land anyways because you take care of us, and that's your promise, and you're going to give us provision. I thank you for all those that are going to rise up in this church to be new leaders and to take their rightful position in the kingdom of God and that they will be blessed and that you will be glorified by what we do as a body and how we surrender our hearts and lives to you over this time. I pray, God, that you will gear us for growth, that you will fill this place up for your glory, that others in this community will hear the heart of God and be challenged 
and we'll be motivated and we'll be, their appetite for God will be increased. And that we truly will be a church that is honoring you and pleasing you with every good work. And that you will look down at us and say, you are my children and I am well pleased. I just give you thanks and I give you glory and I say this in Jesus' name. Amen.